This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. The city of Chattanooga is getting ready to vote for a new mayor and city council. Early voting will begin February 10th and end on February 25th. The deadline to request an absentee ballot is February 23rd. Election day is March 2nd. Please visit the Hamilton County Election Commission website for more details. All right, I'm here with Wade Hinton. He is running for the mayor of the city of Chattanooga. And Wade, if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and give you know your 30-second campaign elevator speech. Okay. Uh, hey, Nathan, first of all, thank you uh, for doing this. It, it really uh, is important uh, work that you're, you're sharing and providing to Chattanoogans uh, on some, this is, again, a really important uh, decision that folks will make over these next few days. And they've been making over these last couple of weeks, in fact, around who's going to be the next mayor, but also city council representative. So uh, thank you for, for this. I know this is a labor of love. Uh, so just thanks, uh, thanks for that. Listen, I'm a native of Chattanooga. I think you mentioned you are as well. And I grew up in a community called the West Side, uh, which is right uh, close to, to the Trade Center right downtown. And uh, it was a community that, that embraced me, loved me, uh, taught me a lot of valuable lessons. My mom raised me there with my two older sisters. And uh, she just really poured into me the importance of giving back and service. Uh, that's, a, that's something that's been a part of who I am. Uh, I've attended public schools my time here, all of my you know, K through 12, if you will. And uh, I left here though, after graduating from arts and sciences, I left here going to Emory University in Atlanta uh, and became the first in my family to graduate from college uh, and went on to law school in Memphis. Um, I didn't think I was coming back. I got it. I shared that with folks. I just didn't. I just, uh, it, it, you know, it, it did not, the city was not, uh, it still has challenges around representation uh, when it comes to diversity and, and inclusion in our community. And I just thought this was not a place where I could grow. And that narrative uh, still remains for too many Chattanoogans. And uh, so I, I decided though, that if there was going to be change, if there was going to be an opportunity to work on or address these issues, then you know it, it. I needed to come back and start working and rolling my sleeves and get busy. I can't just complain about it. Um, that's the kind of person I am. So I've been doing work uh, in the community, but but also professionally, I've been practicing law for about 20 years. Uh, I have my own firm, so I've been a small business owner. Uh, also, was the general counsel locally for Volkswagen, uh, the operations here but also served as the city attorney for five years uh, mm -hmm. under Mayor Burke and uh, the city council. Uh, and most recently uh, built out the global strategy for an office for uh, Unum and their, as, a, as their chief, first chief diversity officer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but, but a lot of my work, uh, Nathan has, has been rooted in how do we create more access and opportunity uh, and, and pass for people to really reach their potential and organizations to reach their potential. So you'll, you know, so projects like Board Connector was one where I've, I created a platform where I saw there was not a lot of diversity in nonprofit boards, created a, a platform that allowed for talent who wanted to be connected and, and, and nonprofits that were seeking to be more inclusive could, could meet. And we've made dozens and dozens of, of matches to, to this point. And 
which has been fat, fantastic. Uh, did some other work around restoring rights to uh, felons who lost their right to vote and getting mm -hmm. a path back to uh, participate in the electoral process, but also partnering on a lot of things like the Sankofa Fund. I'm a founding member of that, that group and uh, continues to do some fantastic work and go vote CHA. And so let, let me you know, fast forward to, to why I, I decided to run in 30 seconds. Um, I looked at everything happening um, with the pandemic. I, I saw the disparities that were uh, worsened. We, they existed before the pandemic. They were deepened uh, because of it. And I knew that if we were going to really begin to get out of this, we can't just do it by just simply recovering. We need to do it in a way that's, that we're strong on the other side, but we're also more equitable on the other side. And I know for us, that's some of it's cultural, uh, but it's also systemic. And that means knowing policy, knowing where the shifts have to take place, knowing what needs to move. And so for me, that's bringing my experience, uh, bringing the things that I have done. Right. This is not right. for me the things I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to bring people together. I'm going to. That's how I've I've led. Uh, that's how I've done my work, and been very fortunate to be a person that can has been been able to convene groups to solve our problems. And so this is what we'll do uh, to to get through this one this pandemic. Two, we're going to create a more inclusive economy where more Chattanoogans can, when they hear this is the best town ever, they also believe that. Right. Right. And uh, and that means we're being intentional about investing in our people. Uh, investing in our neighborhoods uh, in a way that, uh, again, people feel that sense of pride that their city believes in them. Um, and you'll also talk, hear me talk about the fact that we have to do more work with our in the education system. Although we're not in school operations, these are our kids. Uh, I'll be their mayor. And uh, we've got to make sure that they're in the path uh, to whatever they want to do, that we're helping make that uh, path easier and removing those barriers. And lastly, uh, we, we're going to reimagine public safety and what that looks like. So that's why I'm running. Uh, ultimately, I've been blessed with skills and experience to, to, uh, to, to make the change that I know the city wants, that they're leaning into doing. Um, and, and, and I know that the city is, is, is anxious for this. And uh, we, we have to meet this moment. And I'm ready to be that leader to get that done. Great. Well, We'll, we'll dive into some of those issues that you mentioned in a minute, but one question that I really like to start these interviews off with, you know, a lot of people are running because they see problems that they want to solve, and that's very important, and that's commendable. But one of my favorite questions to ask is, you know, what is Chattanooga's top strength? What is the one thing that we're already doing well, or the, a resource that we already have that we can capitalize on and use as kind of a springboard to further success? Yeah, so I've always thought our biggest asset uh, as a community was, you know, our people. I mean, I, I have no doubt that our people um, and, and, and our ability to come around and, and, as I said, solve our problems together. And we've seen that happen time and time again, right? We call it the Chattanooga way. Um, I will say that it has morphed a bit. The Chattanooga way sometimes feels like now everybody's doing their own thing. Um, but, but it is when people decide that we wanna, we wanna tackle tough challenges, we can be very collaborative. And uh, we saw that with Ed Connect, right? We've seen that with a number of things. And so for me, that's, you know, that's to me is, is what, what our strength is. What we've gotta make sure we do to get even better at that though, Nathan, is we gotta have more people at the table and, and more voices uh, at the table. Uh, right. Not, yeah, and then lift those voices up and let those uh, 
ideas and, and suggestions show up in the work we do. Uh, but that's, that's, that's what obviously our strength is. And that leads me into a question, something I hear a lot from, from my listeners and just other people that I've talked to is that Chattanooga's government still has a, a reputation as kind of an insider's club. Uh, you know, you get the same people pouring money into the elections or, you know, making the decisions in the country club rooms rather than the city council rooms, things like that. This, this kind of idea that, you know, normal Chattanooga's voice doesn't necessarily get heard. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, what kind of policy proposals would your administration have to encourage people to get more involved in city government, to encourage people and make them feel like they're, they're being heard? Well, first, I, I want to say again, this is how I've operated. Even a city attorney, uh, I, I, you can call citizens. They've been around the conference room table uh, helping us think through policies. And uh, not only that, those ideas, those suggestions, that feedback helped us make better policy decisions. And so what was put forward. So this is not even a thing where I'm, I'm making a campaign promise. This is just actually yeah. something that I, I do. But, but we got to make sure that it, it's not just how I'm doing it. I want to make sure that the overall government's doing it. So what mm -hmm. organization's doing it. So what that looks like for us is uh, what I've said is an office of equity and engagement. Uh, what that office will do, we have two different uh, really goals and focuses. One will be to make sure that every department has equitable practices, equitable and inclusive practices. That means not outsourcing. Uh, if, you're, if you're HR, you're talking about how do we recruit uh, talent, um, how do we, if you're purchasing and talk about supply diversity, this is not something that you outsource to this office. This is really your role. You own this, but we got to have the practices in place to, uh, to ensure that's happening. Part of that is the, the other side of the office is engaging, right? And making sure we're having voice at the table. So if we're thinking about policies and practices around supply diversity, we have you know, some, some great recommendations coming from the disparity study but we also have to have Chattanoogans at the table to help us think through what that looks like practically, right? right? Um, be, because if you don't do it, you have unintended consequences, which we, we see a lot of at times. Um, but it doesn't stop there. It has to happen with CDOT and other departments across the city. And that's how we will operate. And, 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 uh, and, and, and again, I think part of that is also making sure the boards and commissions uh, reflect our community. This, again, going back to why I create a board connector, uh, you know, this is, we've got to have different voices to help us. People who we know are talented and have uh, passion and purpose, but are not being utilized and not being, you know, coming in to, 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 to the fullest. And I know they want to, to give back. And so we've got to make sure we're, we're doing that. And then, you know, uh, you know, lastly, it, it is about, uh, making sure that uh, we have the, the right boards and, and, and sort of advisory councils, if you will, to help with, with this. Uh, we have some great ones now, but I, I do wanna think about how do we even take the various mayor's advisory boards or councils and someone suggested that that was a great idea and, and create sort of a council of councils, if you will, so you can have a person from each council that, that I can meet with. And what that does is when you talk about a particular issue, it, it, it allows for there to be some collaboration at times, right? Mm -hmm. So it may be that our youth council is working with uh, our, our uh, mayor's council for women on a particular issue when they're, they, can, they can work and, and uh, you know, leverage and, and be resourceful with one another. So that's, that's the kind of approach that we wanna see. Um, 
And I'll say this one last thing, and, and uh, which was, you know, when I think about my particular leadership style, there are a couple of things that uh, come to mind, but, but Shirley Franklin said this, and it stuck with me. She said, people want to make sure you're doing things with them and not to them. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've got to make sure that, you know, that, that Chattanoogans know that this is not an insider's club. This is your house and we're accountable. Uh, we work for you. And, uh, you, and, and, but we want you to be a part of this and help us make better decisions. It's more sustainable when it happens. Mm-hmm. It's real when it happens. And there's more pride in it because you have had a say in it. And that's what I'm excited about. And you, you've mentioned this new, uh, the name has already escaped me, Department of Inclusivity and Engagement? Equity and Engagement. Equity and Engagement. Yeah. And so you've mentioned this new department. Um, that brings me to another question that I have. The, the Burke administration has split its agenda into four focus areas, and that's smarter students, stronger families, safer streets, stronger neighborhoods, and growing economy. How would the organizational priorities under your administration be different? How would they be the same? And how would these priorities affect the organization of your departments? And you've already mentioned one here, but if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so I think, you know, first of all, when we talk about priorities, uh, you, you have to know that my top priority is going to be COVID recovery. Uh, it's one of the reasons I got in this race. I want to make sure that, uh, that again, we, we get through this not only stronger, but in a way that is more equitable, that more Chattanoogans have a, a chance to participate in, in, in this recovery. And we're, we're mindful of, of the, again, the inequities uh, that are in place. The, other you know, components, I would say, you'll see a big focus on what I would say is an inclusive, a more inclusive economy. Um, and that goes to the very heart of, we have to, we've got to make sure that more Chattanoogans get access to good paying jobs. Uh, and that will be an intentional focus on the talent, the training, um, uh, the, the investment necessary to do that. Um, that, that, that. Now that touches a lot of different things. That also touches, making sure uh, we have uh, access to those jobs. So we, we talk about transportation uh, and, you know, uh, I, I've shared this with a couple of, um, a couple of forums about the fact that when I was at Volkswagen, there was not a bus stop there, right? And so right. when you're making those investments, when you're making those decisions, we've got to think about it in that, that broader sense, right? And, and so now what are those routes that are necessary to get people to, uh, opportunity and uh, and that's that's how we're we're thinking about that and then the other big is going to be investing in kids. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, that uh, you know I I you know had uh, a mom that poured into me, I had some teachers that poured into me, um, and I had some exposure to different things. We've got to make sure that our kids have exposures to whatever path that might be, and that means. Uh, certainly continuing to invest in the Office of Early Learning, but that also means partnering with our school system um, and providing any supplement, any support they might need outside of those school buildings, whether it's after school programs, whether it's camps, but, but being there to invest in them and showing the, the paths that may be, may be possible. I've said, you know, our community centers are, are, can be a career hub for our kids if we do it right we do it right and so it's not just I mean listen I played plenty of basketball at, at, at the West Side Rec Center uh, I was pretty good back in the day uh, but I could jump but but um, but but it, but there's so much more than that Nathan and, and so we have an opportunity to 
make sure our kids, uh, you know, that we're pouring into them. And then, you know, and so you also have to look at the sort of holistic neighborhood piece, right? And so you'll hear us talk about that in a way that uh, gets to um, really taking a step back and assessing our neighborhoods to say, what's strong? What's, where should we invest? Um, is it a transportation issue? Is it a green space issue? Is it, is it, um, is it a dilapidated housing issue? Is this, uh, you know, what, where should, is it an infrastructure issue, sidewalks and, and, and potholes and paving that's needed? Every neighborhood's gonna be different. We gotta make sure we hold on to the character of those neighborhoods, um, but really taking a step back and making sure we're, we're, we're doing it. That's, that's the work I've, again, I've, I've done some of this, but that's the work I'm, I'm excited about doing. And then lastly, um, you know, our public safety is gonna be a major component of our priorities. So uh, those are the four, if you will, uh, of priority areas for us. And, and uh, that, that's what you hear us talk about consistently uh, and driving home. And, and I think those are four that I, I, I would suspect Chattanooga's would rally around. We want to invest in our kids. We know there's a, we have to have that talent and um, those paths and, and passion and purpose uh, for a, a brighter Chattanooga, a better Chattanooga. We know we have to invest in our neighborhoods. We know we have to, to do the work to get Chattanoogans to those good paying jobs and thinking about it strategically, right? And we know we have to do things differently when it comes to public safety uh, as well. So I think, again, folks are, we're proud of about that, could be proud of about that. So I want to dive into a couple of these in a little bit more detail. The first one you mentioned was COVID. Um, you know, as a lot of my listeners, I, I say this in almost every interview, hopefully by the time elections roll around and new mayors installed and everything, we're already kind of on a downswing. The vaccine is already taking effect. But like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of recovery that needs to be done in terms of economic impact and, you know, lifting people back up who've been struggling with you know, making their rent or keeping their small business open. So what policies are, are you proposing that'll actually help these people to, you know, make that recovery on the economic side? Yeah, so uh, Nathan, I think I was the first candidate to actually release a COVID recovery plan. And what you see uh, from that is it's a framework. Um, in, the, in the framework is really centered around three components or three aspects, right? It's, it's, it's uh, collaboration. Right, recognizing that uh, it, it's not just the city, it's gonna be us working with the county and other community stakeholders. There's a framework of equity and engagement. Going back to our earlier conversation, right? When you, you're making decisions around, uh, you know, what kind of policies you, 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 you know, the policies you, you referenced, we've gotta make sure it's reaching people where they are and being mindful of those things. And then last one is accountability, right? It's just really being sure that we're gonna do what we say we're gonna do and, and you can have transparency in terms of how we make those decisions. So uh, with that being the framework, we also have said as, as this plan rolled out that things shift uh, in terms of what, what's important, uh, but, but the initial items would be to first appoint a covert response director, right? This person would be our day-to-day -day point person to help us do the collaboration that's necessary, make sure we're thinking right, we're, 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 you know, right about some of the policies we're, we're, we're working through in the departments uh, that would be working on them. Uh, and so this, again, would be a person we would wanna get started day one of the administration. Uh, part of that also includes making sure that we're partnering with the county and other stakeholders for vaccinations for, for Chattanoogans. Um, that means 
you know, trying to use maybe even our community centers as sites for vaccinations, uh, helping think through, can we, should we do some mobile work, right? Where for those folks who cannot or don't have access to transportation, right? So thinking about it from an equitable perspective to get to reach more Chattanoogans is a way we want to want to do to roll out this vaccination. And part of that's education as well. Uh, the, the third component of that is making sure that we're doing work to keep people in their homes, right? Uh, we know that I was on with Emily O'Donnell last night and we were talking about some of the challenges now uh, with uh, just evictions and in the space of, 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 of the space of COVID and what was happening. And so we've got to make sure we're supportive in that. And that, that includes maybe looking at even a right to counsel right, where you have uh, folks who show up at court, uh, they don't have an attorney, they have a lawyer on the other side who knows everything and they're just trying to figure this out and, and didn't realize that they had certain rights. And so we've got to, you know, so figuring out how we can, can, can work with uh, some of the, the partners in town to, to provide, maybe that service will be helpful. Um, then, and then lastly, I think from a small business perspective, right, we have seen some grants go to small businesses um, you know, some of those dollars flowed from some work I did years ago at the city. We, we created an economic development lease payment from some of our larger employers uh, on these incentive deals. And we created a provision that allowed uh, this fund, these funds to go into the IDB that are now being used to help, help support some of these grants. That, and so we'll, we'll see more of those grants come out. Uh, but what we want to do, Nathan, is uh, make sure that the information as it gets out touching more people, like using some, I mean, you know, uh, some other means to, to get there as well. And whether it's our churches and faith-based organizations, some grassroots organizations, uh, restaurants, but I mean, we're, we gotta get, we have to make sure that the information is getting to, to the folks as, as, be as best we can. Uh, the other side of this is making sure that we have the technical assistance uh, so we are supporting organizations that can provide the technical assistance to those organizations or those entities that need them as well. So those are the types of things that we're, we're looking to do. And, and lastly, I mean, you know, you, you see in a plan that we do account for uh, the fact that some of our kids are falling behind and, and, and wanting to work with Dr. Johnson to figure out how do we provide some support to, 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 to make sure they get back on path. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, Th th those are the things that we're, and the, the final, I guess the last thing is around job training as well. We know some folks lost their, their jobs for this time. And so if we can partner with the chamber and some other folks in the community, we want to do that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you mentioned um, transportation as a big issue. And you talked about public transportation in particular, you know, you gave the example of Volkswagen, making sure there's a bus route, making sure our bus routes make sense for where the people live and where the jobs are. Um, could you talk a little bit more about your transportation plans? Do you have any plans, you know, beyond uh, the public transit side uh, with regards to how we build and maintain our roads or with, you know, different ideas of sidewalks, bike lanes, that kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things I, I said about that. First of all, as a city attorney, the claims uh, analyst was literally next door to me. And so I can't tell you the number of times uh, we talked about potholes and <laughs> people who have, whose tires have been, cars have been uh, ruined because of a, a pothole, uh, pothole damage. And so 
Um, so I'm very familiar with, with, with this particular issue. So a couple of things I would say. Uh, yes, you're gonna see us, in fact, I, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, pretty soon, uh, right before, I guess, the, the election. We'll talk about some, some jobs work we wanna do around infrastructure that can go right to some of the paving needs that we have around the city. Uh, so we, we're excited about what that looks like. We can get some Chattanooga's back working uh, you know, you know, quickly, uh, work with the city council to do that. Uh, but that I think also addresses a lot of our infrastructure concerns and questions on the, that are pressing right now. Additionally, I wanna make sure we're using technology to help support some of our decisions around you know, where we invest in terms of sidewalks or, or paving. Uh, there are some cities like uh, Philadelphia and, and Seattle and others that have, have used this and, and seen some cost savings uh, on uh, you know, how they prioritize. What's cool about this is too that uh, some of those cities uh, have citizens engaged in, in, in uh, using that technology to identify where there are problem, problem areas. And then lastly, when it comes to the overall prioritization, uh, I, I do want it to be a participatory process for citizens to help us make these decisions. Now, the only thing I'd be guarded about with some of that is making sure that one neighborhood association that is larger and more active uh, doesn't uh, you know, crowd out uh, the smaller, uh, less active right. neighborhoods, but what would have, but have you know, certainly major needs. But, but we wanna see that kind of decision-making process happen. Uh, that again, I, it goes back to my point of having more Chattanoogans uh, at the table to help us make these decisions. And so that gets with sidewalks, uh, gets with paving, um, and uh, so that's that's what you would expect from us. Uh, but but we're going to you're going to see some major investment. Now it, it, this first year, how we do it will be a little bit different from uh, the the following years because I think we we do have a chance to uh, maybe use uh, some of our rainy day funds to, to help support that mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, but it's one time. You you don't want to use rainy day funds for recurring right. recurring expenses, right? And so. Um, after we sort of get some some balance there, I do think uh, the sustainability the sustainability of this uh, funding uh, we'll have to make sure we're looking at other ways to to support uh, um, the funding. So great. And in your original answer, you mentioned education, and you gave a pretty detailed explanation of your plans there. So I don't have any follow ups on that, but you you also mentioned public safety, yeah. and this is a question I've been asking. Uh, all the candidates, you know, this summer, there was a, a huge conversation around policing, you know, protests and George Floyd's death. And also, you know, we had 200 people sign up to speak at the city council meeting to express their opinion about the fact that $70 million out of a $270 million budget is going to our police department. And there's a lot of different ways to approach this. And I've, I've heard everything from, you know, we need to increase police budgets so that we can have better police officers, that they can have better training, you know, that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. And then other people who think that the system is broken and that we need to deinvest from the police and reinvest in other parts of our community in order to kind of address the root causes of crime. So there's a lot of different ways to go about this. I'm wondering where your administration stands and, and what your plans are around policing, both as it relates to the budget and any other, you know, new regulations or training that you might implement. Yeah, so first I'd say, Nathan, this summer was, um, personally, it was frustrating. It was, it was uh, I was, I, I, I mean, I can't say frust frustrating is not, doesn't capture, I mean, what, I mean, it, if I, it, yeah, that's not even, 
it's not even close to what I felt. I think uh, it was traumatic. It was, it was, um, I was angry. I was, I was all of those things. And what I also said to folks is I was very sad at the fact that I still have to tell my daughter how you engage with officers is different. Uh, you know, so it, and, and we've got to get to a place and my work is to get to a place um, where we don't have to have that conversation as much in Chattanooga uh, because we've done the work um, starting in April uh, to, to uh, begin to address, address these issues. And so listen, I, if you, you know, my announcement, I said, hey, I, I believe you can say Black Lives Matter and support the law enforcement. And I mean that, I think in public safety, I, I really do mean that. Um, and, and so for our policies, the way we're thinking about this, is I, I, you know, I do believe that we've got to do things differently because if not, we're going to get the same results, right? And I mean, and I do think that it has to look, you have to look at the systems to, to address a number of these issues. Now, part of that system is putting everything on our police officers and saying, you've got to do everything. And you, and that's just, listen, I'm a pretty good lawyer, but don't ask me to do patent law and securities law and criminal law and all of those things, right? It's, it's just, let's, you know, let's get focused on what our true expectations are. And then on top of that, knowing that there are certain needs of the community that call for experts and professionals, let's make sure we're deploying them as partners with us, right? So that's one thing that should change uh, and we, we know it can help, it can be helpful. Um, the other component of this is really getting at the root causes of this, right? You heard me say investing in people. That's just not investing in some people, right? We've got to invest in people in a real way. And that means um, making sure we're unlocking economic opportunity. That means we are providing, uh, lifting up the importance of mental health services. That means behavioral health is something that is not frowned upon, right? We've got to really, uh, talk about these in, in a real way that that gets at the core component of the root causes at, at the same time how we respond and reaction to uh, it, it looks differently and then the, the the last thing I will say is you know the the how the how our police department operates has to be a little different as well we want as going back to my component my my, my reference to the office of equity and engagement where we have inclusive practices we want a police department that has an inclusive, that's an inclusive environment with an inclusive culture, right? Where, where uh, uh, folks know they belong, right? And how they treat uh, our, our Chattanoogans is with respect and dignity and all of those things, right? And, and we wanna make sure that's happening. Part of that is building the relationships in the community. Part of it is also making sure that up and down uh, that people feel that sense of, of again, belonging. Now that, that means that uh, for, for us, we've got to look at diversifying our, our workforce, our police department. But it's not just about diversifying because you're here candidate to say, well, we need more diversity now. Yeah, you do, but that, that won't win today. If it's not inclusive, if it's not equitable, then no one's staying, no one's going to be able to really feel like they're part of the team. And uh, it, it is still the same kind of environment. So it has to be an inclusive environment. Uh, more than that, uh, we have to have someone come in and assess our department. We have some great tactics out there now, like, hey, let's, let's do outreach with uh, Urban League or the NAACP to find talent. We 
we need a strategy, Nathan, to do this. We, that, and as a DNI professional, I know you need to have someone that comes in and knows this sector, right? And knows, you know, law enforcement, and they can make the recommendations we need to to move our, 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 our police department forward. That could include, and it should include, uh, you know, more competitive salary and pay. I know that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, but 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 that again, I think that's one aspect of this. But we have a number of different issues uh, that we we have to tackle when it comes to public safety. Um, what you, what I think Chattanooga's know is it's not just one issue. All of these are connected. And so um, I'm looking forward to, to working with, uh, work, working with Chattanooga's on solving some of these issues. Right. Yeah. So I want to, I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about the budget writing process as a whole. Yeah. You know, the mayor leads the budget writing process. Currently it's the budgeting for outcomes process. It started all, all the way back in November for the, this next year's budget. You know, it's ongoing as we speak. How will the community input process change or remain the same under your administration? And also, uh, is there any particular way that the allocation of funds might change that you already know kind of off the top of your head? Well, I think, so what I say is on the budgeting for outcomes process and and, um, I think at its core, um, it was to create more accountability, right? It was to create a sense of of more transparency. Um, And I, I think, at, at its core, you know, those core components will remain. I think what will look a little bit different is the process. I think it's also, again, engaging more people and and have making some of these decisions. So we 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 do we do want to try to implement the a participatory budgeting uh, process. And but it also for us when we look at um, you know some of the allocations. What has historically happened, Nathan, is that if you are a nonprofit asking for an appropriation, you you are competing against some city departments for those same dollars, mm-hmm. and and so we want to really get away from that. I want to be able to say, all right, here's let's just we know that uh, let's just say uh, the, the finance department. We know your finance is going to be funded at this amount. Right. We know that's going to happen. So what are the dollars we really have to compete from over? Right. And I think that gives a sense of, again, transparency and, you know, again, I think fairness to, to those nonprofits in terms of what we're really working with. Um, that's, that's one way. And I think, again, going to and also a more multi-year sort of budgeting process, um, a multi-year budget uh, would allow us to know, like he, we know with certainty, this is how these dollars are going to be spent. The other side of this is, you know, uh, again, getting, you know, being very clear about the, which of those items um, we, we want to make sure that our citizens are engaged in. Again, I've already mentioned infrastructure. I think a lot of our economic community development work is another one where uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're having our citizens engaged in. And then, uh, you know, even when it comes to public safety, again, we got to make sure that we're having more citizens help us make these decisions. And so timing wise, uh, you know, you know, I, I think it, it still makes sense. I think to start a little bit earlier uh, in the November time range. But what I do know is that for some of our nonprofits, um, we can streamline some things a little bit. And I'm, I'm committed to doing that. Um, and and, and that's it. Yeah. So I, I think part of this is, you know, once we build these relationships 
through our Office of Equity and Engagement. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be really helpful. And then the last thing I'll say with this is, you know, for, for a lot of our budgets, um, we want to have an equity impact assessment. Uh, so some cities are doing this, like San Antonio and others. And Portland does it as well. And it really is, again, looking at the lens of like, how is this, have we really done a, a scan to see how, how this shows up? Um, and the folks we're trying to reach. And so that's, that's going to be important too. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, development and yeah. mostly land development. A lot of people that I've been talking to, this is an issue that comes up a lot. There, there are some people who are worried that, uh, you know, we're seeing overdevelopment, that we're not being stringent enough with our uh, zoning controls or, or water quality, traffic generation, uh, steep slopes is an issue that's come up. I know that's been bouncing around for, for at least a year now. And then there are some people who are worried that the, the number of regulations and, and the process that we have is actually depressing development and it's keeping you know, affordable housing from being built because it's just so hard to build in the city that, that it raises expenses and, and makes the properties more expensive. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Most people don't seem to agree on this, but I'm wondering where your administration would stand and, and what do you think your administration could do to guide and improve the development process in the city? Yeah, well, one, well, listen, I mean, I, I, I would get, uh, when I went at the city, I would get plenty of calls from lawyers and others saying, well, wait a minute, what is, how does this work? And, and, and the, the process for them or the clients might've been a little challenging, but also from residents saying, well, wait a minute, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I've, I, you know, I've always you know, been able to get that uh, kind of, a, uh, you know, competing uh, sort of uh, comments or, or perspectives. And that's been, been, been pretty uh, interesting in terms of trying to balance, balance the two. You know, one of the things that I am just you know, committed to doing is making this a lot more clear. Right? I think when you talk about what are the rules, here are the rules, right? And it's not different if you go to talk to this person or if you go to talk to this department, here are the rules, here's what it looks like. Let's make it clear. Can we get it to one page? Let's do that. So, you know, I want to make sure we simplify that. And that's, by the way, that's... Um, even when I was a city attorney, and, and uh, I'll give you this one example how I, I try to streamline things. When you want an open record, before I got there, you would have to come in, fill it out, maybe send an email, and Nathan, you could come down, you pay for it in cash or with a check, right? And you get it, that's it. Now, if you want it, what do you do? You go to your phone, you put it in, you create a username, an account, you can download it, you can pay for it via credit card. It's better for, for folks who want to access uh, information, but it's also better for our employees. It, it, it made it a little bit uh, more efficient for them. And so again, when you have that clarity, number one, it, in simplifying things, it does help both citizens, but also for our employees, I think it helps. Um, so number two, when it comes to overall, the development side of this, right? I, I do think um, when you have a, a strategy, you know when you're investing, where you're investing, how to invest, uh, who, who are the partners that need to be around the table. And so uh, when you talk about development and, and even affordable housing, just know we wanna have a, a true housing commission to help us think through this strategy mm -hmm. and how we begin to tackle these issues. Um, and then, you know, you know finally, um, you, know, you know, as we, we talk about how do we address some of these issues Again, getting back to this Office of Equity and Engagement, when we're making some of these rules and policies, we want 
folks around the table. I want developers, but I want, Chad and I want residents to help us make these decisions. And so um, that's just, again, that's what I've done. Um, and, and so uh, even when we came up with the affordable housing pilot, as we changed some of the policies and procedures, I had, you know, ATM who had recommendations. Um, uh, and, but also we had, you know, some things coming in from uh, uh, other organizations in the city as well. But we were able to, to come up with things that, that uh, met both needs. And so, but we still got work to do. And that's, that's why I'm running. I, again, I'm, I don't run because everything's perfect. I'm running because I think we have a lot, a lot, lot of opportunity to, uh, to make, th make things a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then one issue, you know, we've already touched on this a little bit tangentially talking about COVID, but it, it's also kind of downstream of land use and affordable housing and things like that. Uh, homelessness is a really big issue. And I'm wondering what your administration's plan would be to address homelessness. Yeah, so um, in this end, first of all, I mean, getting back to COVID, right? We, we, we know that, again, I mentioned that we have evictions happening. And the, the, the first thing we can do is making sure we don't add to that number, the number of homelessness, right? We, we've got homelessness. So we've got to make sure we're providing the support and resources uh, for Chattanoogans that are, that are hurting right now, right, right now, right? Um, so I want to be clear about that. The, the other aspect of this is, is what you've heard me say and others have heard me talk about is we've got to make it easier to access the resources and the, um, the partners and stakeholders that are, that are, that's needed to uh, help those who are homeless, uh, homeless Chattanoogans and, and to get them what they need uh, to get to whether it's housed or whether it's get the job or whatever it is, but we've got to make it a little bit easier. So I've talked about having a one-stop shop uh, or some kind of hub where it's, again, it's easier for folks to do this. I, I was meeting with a group of pastors and that was someone who had a homeless ministry. And I was like, well, who, who do you call for things? And right. And, you know, they didn't really know how to engage, right to support and that's a that's a tough place to be right when we we are all working towards the same goal but again thinking back to what i said the chattanooga way everybody's doing their own thing it, it makes it a little bit harder and through this collective impact we'll be able to i think make the, the you know the biggest impact and and uh so that's one aspect of this the other side of this is if we gotta have more places and spaces uh, for uh to, for housing um those who are homeless right and if we don't create the units then that's a that's an issue, um, and so again, affordable housing touches a lot of different folks. But we've got to make sure we're creating space uh, units, uh, whether it's through transitional housing or for permanent housing, uh, which we can, we can send folks. And then lastly, uh, again, getting back to supporting the the the, the mental uh, health services, behavioral health services, wraparound services. Uh, again, that that one stop shop with our partners that are doing a fantastic work. Um, we, we can better plug folks in uh, to those services and what's needed uh, to, uh, to, to get them, uh, get them through. And, and uh, they, and everyone should know that, you know, I'm going to be a mayor that's going to talk about this. Uh, and I'm going to be a mayor that uh, will, uh, you know, lift up this issue as being a key priority to help us. Again, there are Chattanooga's right now that are hurting and, and it, it hurts my heart knowing um that uh, you know, if we don't do the work now, if we don't make the kinds of investments now, if we don't fight, if we don't get the resources to families that are hurting now, 
then we're going to be adding to that role. So just know I'm going to be a mayor that's going to fight starting April. Great. I've got two more questions. One of them is a little more light and one of them is pretty open-ended. The first is uh, Chattanooga is making a name for itself as an outdoor destination. We've been named number one city twice now by Outdoor Magazine. And, you know, that comes with a lot of benefits and it comes with a lot of challenges. Uh, there's growth associated with that. And there's, there's also, you know, potential for overgrowth associated with that. So I'm wondering, what is your administration plan to do to not only increase the benefits of this new outdoor reputation, but also to make sure that, you know, it doesn't go astray, we don't overgrow, and also that communities that have historically been kind of disconnected from the outdoors are able to make those connections and take advantage of the resources that we have. Well, man, listen, I, uh, I was on, I think I was on a hike and I was talking to someone and I said, well, you know, I met someone and we're just talking and I said, well, why, why'd you all move here? And he said, yeah, um, actually he moved here and, and his, and his wife now wife moved here because of climbing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the climate community here is, is, is pretty strong. And so for me, it's just, it, it just tells us, you know, that being known as this outdoor, um, uh, you know, just, just, uh, uh, place of, of, for folks to, to come. I think that's just, that's what we want to be known as, right? This outdoor capital is what I was going for. Uh, and I think we want to continue to, to, to lift that up in a real way mm -hmm. now. So what that means is, you know, how we're marketing ourselves, right? I mean, to companies as well, right? I mean, the lifestyle here is one that we want to make sure that, uh, we continue to attract talent, but we also continue to attract uh, employers here. That's going to be, again, how we package ourselves. But to your point, we've got to do more to get uh, you know, more communities having access to our outdoor amenities. Some of that includes you know, us focusing on the neighborhoods again to, to ensure that there are green spaces and parks uh, that you don't have to go uh, to Cloudland Canyon for a hike. You can go to other places, right? You don't have to go to, uh, to Coolidge Park for greenery. You can, you can do this uh, in your neighborhood. So we wanna make sure we're creating more spaces like that. There's been some great work started by the Trust for Public Land and Jenny Park and her team. We wanna work with them to, to begin to identify those spaces where we can do this. Um, but it also means that we are thoughtful around some of the partners we have in place. I was at Reflection Riding about uh, two weeks ago. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, what, you know does the city send uh, any kids like through our YFD programs to re reflection riding, right? At the Nature Center. And uh, as to that is no, right? Well, I think there's some great opportunities for us to leverage some existing partners in town uh, to make sure we're getting exposure and talking about it um, as being, um, you know, uh, being an option, right? You know, community centers actually having imagery of, of folks, uh, you know, climbing and uh, kayaking and all of those things, right? To, 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 again, create more, more exposure there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that part of it. There's already been some great work that's, that's being done right now. Um, uh, I know Mo Baptiste is doing some, some work around this to, to get uh, some uh, more connection. Uh, there's some work that, again, Trustful Public Land is doing to create some more work in terms of green spaces and connections there. And so uh, I'm proud of that. It's going to be good. Great. And my last question is very open-ended. 
what is the most achievable change you think can be made in Chattanooga? In other words, what's an idea that you have 100% confidence, doesn't matter what city council says or what you know the political pressures are, what's something you know you can do, kind of first 100 days, you know, first 100 days before, I thought, yeah, I, well, I was thinking more of my first term. Uh, That's fine, yeah, go with it. Well, this, this, is, this, is, this is what I would say, right? So, um, we're, so my first 100 days, I mean, so just know I'm focused on COVID recovery. I mean, we're going to do some changes. We'll, we had an office of equity and engagement. We'll uh, create some structural changes. Uh, but I, I don't want there to be any question about where my, my priorities are. Um, so what you'll see, and I have no doubt that these things are going to happen, you'll see us implement the disparity study recommendations. You'll see more minority and women-owned businesses getting business with the city. But also you'll see that... Um, uh, the, our anchor institutions like Unum and Blue Cross and, and others will come around the table and they'll also move the needle in that space as well. Mm -hmm. You'll see um, uh, a, uh, a, a, a city that's more engaging and bringing more voices to the table uh, and how we make decisions. Uh, you'll see uh, the work that will you know, help us create a housing strategy. Uh, you'll see those kinds of things. But what I think what I'll be most proud of at the end of this is it will feel different as a city. It will feel different as a city. And you will, you will know that Chattanoogans have been heard. And there's nothing better than that. There's, I mean, I've been making calls and talking to folks. And um, that was a, a, a woman I was speaking with. And uh, she was uh, talking about a neighbor that went through the short-term vacation rental ordinance process with me and the, and the team here at the city. And what she said was a neighbor felt heard. And there's nothing better than that. I think it's, it's so rewarding. And so I want Chattanoogans to know that they're gonna have a mayor that will champion inclusion, that will champion equity. And they're gonna start when you, again, they're gonna start believing and knowing that this is a city that believes in them. And, and, and for me, I think, again, that, that's a win for us all, right? Uh, because it's gonna literally feel different. And that's the thing I'm most excited about uh, because we do this work now. I think about my daughter when she gets, she turns 18 and a, you know, we have a few years uh, before that happens, but she should look around and she should know with absolute certainty that this is our city too, because we have done the work starting in April um, to make sure that there's representation. Uh, we have done the work starting in April to make sure that this is downtown that feels like it's for everybody, uh, that it feels like it's for Chattanoogans, uh, not just for tourists, but for Chattanoogans. Uh, she's gonna know this and, and she'll know it, but also kids from Alm Park will know it. And also kids from Lookout Valley will know it. Um, and that's the thing that I'm most excited about. I know that's achievable um, because again, uh, this is something that Chattanooga is hungry for. Um, and it won't be because I did this. It's going to be because we did this. And again, I, I'm excited about what that's going to look like and feel like for, for our city. Um, and it's going to attract more people here, by the way, uh, more companies here. But more importantly, it's going to keep Chattanoogans here. The talent that's here, it's going to keep them here. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Great. Well, Wade Hinton, where can voters find out more about you? Sure. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for hosting this. And again, I started out saying thank you for putting these together. I know it's uh, 
it's late and uh, <laughs> we're, 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 it's a little late and you're still doing this. And so again, thank you for doing this, man. Uh, listen, you can go to wadehinton.com. That's Wade, H-I-N-T-O-N.com. And there you have some information about my background and uh, you know, the work I've done. Um, you know, for me, uh, you'll hear me talk about inclusion and equity and economic development, all of those things. This is work uh, that I've been doing. And, and as much as I know you may hear candidates say, this is, this is the work I've been doing. I've been at the table negotiating for thousands of jobs. I've been at the table to, to create uh, programs and policies that are moving our community forward already. So I really do come in you know, ready on day one. I know others may say it uh, because you know, they might've worked with the city on some things. It's nothing like working at the city and knowing how it actually works and working with the county and, and working at the county and knowing how it works. And so uh, you can find my information there. And I really want to say I would be appreciative, so humbled, and, and, and to have your vote. Uh, so as you're thinking about making a decision on it, I would love to have your vote. Um, I, I got to ask for it, Nathan. Got to ask for it. So. Very good. Again, thank you for your time and good luck in March. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.